Good morning, everyone. Well, as you're memorising the, the names of the books of the New Testament, there are five T's that all come together when you're sorting out, you know, which comes first, Philippians or Philemon, and uh, we're going to have a look at Philemon this morning. But the five T's that come together, the two epistles to the Thessalonians, two to Timothy, then to Titus, and then sandwiched in between Titus uh, and uh, the epistle to the Hebrews is this tiny epistle to Philemon. Now, just to give a little bit of the background here, uh, Philemon lived in the city of Colossae, and the epistle to the Colossians was written at the same time as this epistle to one of the inhabitants there, Philemon, who was uh, evidently uh, quite a wealthy man, had a number of slaves, well, at least he had one slave, who ran away from him. Uh, Colossi is in modern-day Turkey. Uh, then it was in the Roman province of Asia. And uh, Colossi itself was about 160 kilometres to the east of uh, Ephesus, so it's an inland town. And uh, Onesimus was the name of the slave. He ran away, uh, helping himself to... Uh, some of the good things, the uh, money, it seems, uh, from uh, as we read the epistle, and uh, possibly other objects as well. But he made his way, uh, went across the Aegean Sea to Macedonia, crossed that country, and then across the um, Adriatic Sea into Italy, and eventually found himself in Rome where the Apostle Paul was in prison. And uh, by way of coincidence, except it wasn't coincidence, was it? This is God having his eye on this person uh, from the time he left and even before then. But his path crossed that of the Apostle Paul and he became a Christian. The Apostle Paul was able to win him to the Saviour. And, um, but because he is a runaway slave, this in itself was a crime punishable by death, death by crucifixion. And uh, so now what is he to do? Uh, in, in fact, some slave owners were more uh, benevolent than that and instead of uh, killing the slave, because after all, uh, they would have been some use, they branded them, got a hot branding iron and branded their forehead uh, with the letters FF, uh, Latin for fugitive, fugitilis, F-U-G-I-T-I-L-I-S, uh, to brand him for the rest of his life with having been a runaway slave. So, you know, we ask ourselves which would be the, uh, the more desirable punishment uh, to be branded and have this or whether to um, even uh, be crucified. So uh, this is the dilemma which is facing Onesimus now. So let's um, read. Uh, it's the epistle to Philemon. As I say, uh, it's easy to skip over, but it comes between the, uh, the epistle of Titus and Hebrews. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow labourer, to the beloved Apphia, 
Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is Paul's customary greeting to them. Uh, Apart from he identifies himself this time as a prisoner. His usual greeting was to uh, open his epistles with uh, Paul called to be an apostle uh, of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And uh, so often when Paul was writing, he wrote in such a way to defend his apostleship because there were those who were going around and especially uh, to the Galatian churches uh, which triggered the um, epistle to the Galatians who were saying that Paul really is not an apostle at all. He is not qualified to be an apostle. He is not a witness with us of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so therefore he is not, uh, he is disqualified from being an apostle. And um, and so this was the argument against him and Paul was all the time uh, signalling, yes, I am an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Um, to the Galatians he said, not of man, neither by men, but Jesus Christ. And so he claimed to be an apostle and he truly was an apostle. Well, um, but this time he introduces himself as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And he makes reference to that several times throughout the, the uh, epistle here, uh, it, coming down to verse 9. And he said here, uh, Yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul the aged, now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. In verse 10, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains. Uh, to verse 13, And here he says, um, uh, Whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel, making reference to his time in prison. Uh, Finally, in verse 23, uh, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, So uh, uh, Epaphras is also in prison there in Rome with Paul. But um, uh, so so this is the setting of it. Uh, Onesimus, a runaway slave, uh, has found himself in Rome, uh, perhaps uh, in prison uh, through some misdemeanour there or whatever the circumstances, we are not told, but uh, he is in prison. Uh, prison, and while there, Paul is able to minister to his spiritual needs and lead him to faith in Christ. And uh, we can only uh, conjecture as to what transpired following that, whether he might have said, uh, well, Paul, you don't know anything of my background. I'm actually a slave on the run, and uh, my conscience is starting to get to me. What should I do? because I am a marked man. Anyone who kills me has not committed any crime because of my status. And, uh, and then Paul uh, uh, w- would have said, well, you must go back. And, uh, and so uh, you can well imagine Philemon saying, yes, but 
Um, my master might have me punished by crucifixion or by branding and none of these appeals to me very greatly. Uh, I, I don't know what to do. Well, you must go back and I'll give you a letter to take with you. And this is the letter that Paul wrote for Onesimus to take back because Paul then would have said, uh, well, where have you come from? I've come from Colossae, Paul. Oh, well, I know a man in Colossae, a dear friend of mine. Uh, I, I, he also is a Christian. Uh, his name is Philemon. Philemon, that's the name of my master. And so uh, here is a wonderful opportunity then for Philemon to uh, show uh, Christian love as well, uh, which is the basis of this letter. So um, uh, the rest of his opening greeting is uh, from verse 4 to 7. And he's writing to Philemon, and he said of Philemon, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. So you see, Paul is a prisoner, but he's not languishing in his uh, confinement. He is not wallowing in self-pity, uh, because he looks beyond these human bars and he, he sees himself as being captivated not by the Roman authorities but by the Lord Jesus himself and therefore he is writing this lovely letter and, uh, and, and there's no word of complaint on his part at all. But now from verse 8 to verse 22 we have the real reason why Paul uh, was writing this letter He's writing on behalf of this runaway slave. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul the aged and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains." Paul could have instructed, even commanded uh, Philemon to take the runaway slave back on the basis, on the authority of his being an apostle. The Christian church was founded on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And uh, Paul being an apostle, he could have instructed uh, Philemon, he could have said, this is what you should do, this is what you must do, you must take him back and forgive him. But he said, I, I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, but for love's sake I rather appeal to you. Philemon, I would like you to do this of your own free will. And, uh, and so that is the basis. His authority was that of an apostle, but he wants to uh, he wants Philemon to do it uh, for love's sake. And he speaks of himself here as Paul the aged. Well, commentators say that he was about 60 years of age, which is really not very old, but maybe he was prematurely old. 
Now, uh, Alan uh, earlier made mention in his prayer concerning uh, Saul of Tarsus, his conversion. He became Paul the Apostle. Well, uh, following his conversion, he went to um, uh, Damascus and there he met up with the Lord's servant Ananias. And uh, when uh, Ananias uh, was called upon to go to uh, Saul, who was blinded by that uh, blinding light, and minister to him, uh, Ananias was very, very fearful. Saul of Tarsus, I've heard many things about him. He arrests Christians, throws them in the, into prison, and, uh, and he's not a very pleasant man. And uh, the Lord said, uh-uh, Saul is changed. Behold, now he prays. But he was a Pharisee. Doesn't he always say his prayers? Ah, yes, he said his prayers, but now he prays. And, uh, and, and then also, he is a chosen vessel unto me. He will uh, take my name before Gentiles, before kings. He will do all these wonderful things. And then God went on to say, and I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And you know, uh, Paul the Apostle, he did suffer greatly and he speaks of himself here as being aged and uh, perhaps um, he was prematurely aged. Uh, if you go back to Second Corinthians in chapter 11 and there we see some of the things that uh, Paul experienced and you'll see that um, he could have aged uh, relatively young in life. Second um, Corinthians chapter 11, and uh, speaking here, I am more in labours, uh, I am in more in labours, more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Five times he was flogged, 39 stripes. Uh, the punishment was 40 stripes, but I, I understand that it was through an act of grace that they limited it to 39 just in case they miscounted and they uh, wouldn't go over that number. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness, often in hunger and on. And so he certainly did... Uh, find out those things that he must suffer for uh, his faith. But um, he, uh, now he is in prison and he speaks of himself as Paul the aged. And, um, and perhaps, as I say, it may be that he was prematurely an old man. But uh, <clears throat> from uh, verse 10... I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains. While I've been here in prison, uh, I've met with Onesimus 
and I have won him to the Lord, who was once unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. Now, this here is a pun. It's a play on words. It loses its humour in its translation, but um, the name Onesimus means uh, profitable or um, uh, useful. And, uh, and so he's saying, I appeal for my son profitable, my son useful, whom I've begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you. And I suppose as Philemon is reading this, and uh, uh, he'd turn up, you know, his, the corner of his mouth would turn up in a smile as he'd say, yes, he certainly was unprofitable. He wasn't worth feeding half the time. But now is profitable to you and to me. And so now he can live up to his name of being uh, useful uh, because, as Paul is going to point out, he's been useful to me here. <clears throat> so verse 12, I'm sending him back. You therefore receive him. That is my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. And so this is his, um, uh, his desire that, uh, that he be able to uh, keep uh, Onesimus there with him. Onesimus is already proving himself to be a useful uh, helper for Paul while he's in prison. Uh, just what form that help would take, we don't know, we are not told, but Paul is reluctant to let him go. Um, <clears throat> uh, that um, without your consent, I wanted to do nothing. I'd have loved to have kept him here with me, but without your consent, I wanted to do nothing that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. And then he comes up with um, some good reasoning here. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. And so here is uh, Paul's appeal here. Uh, he's saying there was a greater force behind Onesimus running away. This does not mean that God is the author of evil, but rather that he can use circumstances to bring about good. For example, well, I think a classic example would be that of Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph, who was sold by his ten older brothers to a group of Ishmaelite traders on their way from uh, Gilead up in the north to go down to Egypt, and Joseph was sold by his brothers uh, to be a slave in Egypt uh, to whoever would uh, purchase him. And, uh, and so uh, Joseph had had a couple of dreams how uh, they were harvesting some grain and the, 
uh, sheaves of those ten older brothers bowed down to his sheaf and then another dream that the sun, moon and eleven stars would bow down to him, the eleven stars, the eleventh one being his younger brother Benjamin and of course this made the, uh, the brothers angry, the older brothers angry and uh, even his father uh, was a bit miffed with him uh, with that second one <clears throat> And, and so then he's in Egypt. He's in a strange country and a strange people, strange language, strange culture. And, uh, but while he's there, he excelled himself. There was always that sense that, uh, that God was with him. When he was tempted to sin, he said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? not sin against my master Potiphar, not sin against my upbringing back home, not sin against the memory of my departed mother, but sin against God. And we must remember that all sin is sin against God, whether it's known or unknown. We've sinned against God. And, uh, but when the time came when he revealed his identity to his brothers because of the famine... A uh, seven-year famine was well in progress when they came down and he told them who he was and they began, because he was second only to uh, Pharaoh in the land of Egypt uh, as a result of his revealing dreams, the meaning of dreams to Pharaoh uh, and he was given this exalted position, they feared that he was going to take revenge but he said no, no, no. Uh, no revenge here. You meant it for evil. And make no mistake, they did. They wanted him dead. They were talking of killing him earlier on. They wanted him dead. He said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God was behind it. And that's what Paul is saying here concerning Onesimus. Perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? Well, how could Onesimus say no to that? Yes, so, so it, it was a great appeal. But th this is one of the joys of, of the Christian, walking the Christian pathway, that there are times when we must... Um, uh, acknowledge that things which appear to be circumstantial or are just coincidental, they are actually God's overruling in the affairs of men. He is able to do that. And I'm sure there are some here today who could, who could point to instances in their own Christian walk when they have seen this to be so. Something which cannot be explained by coincidence. And so this is what Paul is suggesting here, that uh, uh, Paul was the one who led uh, Philemon to the Lord and now under different circumstances in a far distant place, this same Apostle Paul led this runaway slave to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as well. Well, let's read on. Verse 17, if then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes 
uh, anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention that you owe me even your own self besides. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. You see what he's saying here? You go back to uh, the epistle to the Ephesians and we read here in his opening remarks uh, from verse 3 of chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as he chose us and him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure (coughs) of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. (coughs) This is exactly what Paul is asking for. Receive him as myself. Can you not see the, the Lord Jesus saying that for us to be received just as God the Father has received him? He was God's only beloved son. Remember those two occasions, once at his baptism, once on the Mount of Transfiguration, when a voice from heaven was heard, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And what did Paul write to the, uh, the Ephesians about? that we, if we come to faith in Christ, are accepted in the beloved. And and so so this makes this a beautiful uh, epistle indeed. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. And the Lord Jesus uh, has has taken our case before the Father, as it were. Receive him, receive her, just as you would receive me. And we are accepted in the beloved. What a wonderful relationship he has brought us into. And then uh, look at this next. But if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. So here is the clue here that uh, Paul was instrumental then in leading Philemon to Christ, Uh, unless unless it might be something else that he uh, saved Philemon from falling under a passing chariot or whatever, but I believe that uh, Paul uh, was also the one who led Philemon to faith in Christ. There's no record of Paul ever having gone to Colossae, but uh, following uh, some incidents in uh, Ephesus there, the revolt, the greatest Diana of the Ephesians, that's where the great temple of Artemis or Diana was located, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Uh, This was the world religion, but um, uh, because of this uh, riot when Paul was there on, one, on his third missionary journey, um, uh, we, we read that uh, the message of the gospel uh, just spread right throughout Asia and evidently uh, it came to Colossae, possibly through uh, Epaphras and maybe even Philemon himself. He may have been in Ephesus at that time 
uh, no record is given. But um, but uh, these two who came to um, faith in Christ through Paul's ministry uh, probably instrumental in planting that church there in Colossae, as we've been hearing from uh, Nick's uh, messages um, over these uh, months. All right, so um, for most of Paul's letters, he had uh, a secretary do the writing for him. He dictated. And uh, the, the speculation is that he had poor eyesight. <clears throat> and so therefore he uh, may have even resulted from that incident on the Damascus Road. But um, he would have someone else write the letters for him. Uh, one exception there is the epistle to the Galatians. And that was uh, such an urgent message to counter a heresy which was uh, being introduced into, that, into those churches in Galatia that he wrote that epistle uh, in his own hand, as he said at the beginning of that epistle, you see in what large letters I have written this letter to you. And, um, but for most of the time... Uh, he used someone else and the epistle to the, uh, to the church at Colossae and possibly this one was written by Tychicus uh, who took it to Colossae. But um, uh, it, it is, if this is so or whoever the writer would be, it is as if he said, just pass me that quill, would you please? Dips it in the ink and in his own handwriting in um, verse 19... I, Paul, am writing with my own hand, I will repay. It's almost as if this is a legal document, a promissory note that Philemon would be able to take to the law courts and have judgment in his favour uh, determined. And so I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. Or it may be that Paul wrote the, the, the entire letter by hand, um, this is something that we simply do not know. But certainly he wrote that verse there. Uh, verse 20, Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Verse 21, Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile also, prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. Uh, whether that actually eventuated, we don't know, we are not told, uh, perhaps not, but um, that, that was uh, the desire of his heart. Uh, just to make reference back to uh, the, the uh, letter to the Colossians and... Um, and perhaps this incident here even uh, was the uh, springboard for uh, some instruction that he's given here to close chapter 3 of Colossians um, from verse 22. Bond servants, like Onesimus, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleases, but in sincerity of heart fearing God. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not unto men. So it may be this experience of um, uh, going to send Onesimus back, which 
actually caused him to put this into uh, the epistle to the Colossians. Chapter 4, verse 1 opens with, Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. And so uh, we have this instruction for servants and masters in his letter to the Colossians. And then further down in chapter 4, Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister, fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother. He ran away as a slave on the run, an outlaw, and he comes back as a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. They will make known to you all things which are happening here, and, uh, and so forth. And then he closes off that epistle. But you can see that this is a, uh, a wonderful letter. So then, what lessons would we gain knowing that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, so that we as people of God can be thoroughly equipped and faithful in our service for the Lord, what lessons would be here? Well, firstly, we see the unity of all believers. You see these three main characters, Paul in prison, Onesimus, the runaway slave, Philemon, the landowner, who has been wronged by his runaway slave. Paul was a Jew, and he was a Jewish Jew, Hebrew of the Hebrews, and uh, he gives his qualifications uh, elsewhere as being, uh, according to the law, blameless, and uh, and everything, uh, he was faithful, being a Jew, and he, was, um, he would regard Gentiles as Gentile dogs. Uh, on, uh, Philemon was a Gentile. He lived uh, in Colossae. Uh, and then we have uh, Onesimus the slave. Now, Paul's a part in, in uh, their circumstances, in their culture, in every way, and yet brothers in Christ. And so we see here the unity of all believers in the Lord Jesus. Uh, we th- think of Second um, Peter chapter 1, the opening remarks there, and Peter is writing to those of like precious faith, regardless of your background, regardless of your qualifications in life, uh, of your ability to make your own way, whatever, uh, recipients of like precious faith are on an equal footing. Um, I'm sure many here have memorised Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, that in Christ there is neither uh, Jew nor Greek, there's neither uh, slave nor free, neither male nor female, all one in Christ Jesus. And, and so, so we see that exemplified here in this particular epistle. We see too that there would have been a difficulty for this to be carried out. A difficulty for whom? A difficulty for all three. Paul was saying how difficult it was for him to release Onesimus to go back, but Onesimus, you must go back. 
it was going to be difficult for Onesimus to go back because he could have been attacked along the way and killed and no crime committed because he was a fugitive, a runaway slave. And in fact, he might also be punished when he got home by either crucifixion or branding or whatever punishment Philemon might have uh, uh, meted out upon him. And it was going to be difficult also for Philemon to forgive this runaway slave who has wronged him. And so Paul more or less is saying, right, it's difficult for all of us. Let's just meet this difficulty head on and do it, and do it. And so uh, hence we have this lovely uh, epistle here. I think the biggest lesson, though, is what a marvellous picture this is of the gospel. When, when Paul said, if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. Isn't that what the Saviour has done for each one of us this morning? If we have wronged him, our sins have been credited to his account. He has taken the wrath of God against sin upon himself. And so now he can forgive. If he has wronged you, owes you anything, put that on my account. This is the real beauty of this epistle. Here we have encapsulated in these few words the gospel message in its entirety of the Lord Jesus, he paid a debt that he did not owe because I owed a debt that, he, that I could not pay. And so uh, we, we look at this and we see, yes, I am that Onesimus. I am the one who has run from God, but now he is waiting to welcome me back. Ah, what a wonderful gospel we have to preach. He concludes with, Epiphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow labourers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. I don't know all of your hearts. I don't know if I'm speaking to someone here who is as yet unsaved, you have not yet come to saving faith in Christ. I don't know. I know that most of you do know the Lord and that he is a reality in your life. But if I am speaking to one or some here this morning who have not yet walked on the Christian pathway, oh, I would implore you, come to the Lord while you can. And, and trust in him. Be like uh, Philemon. Come to know the, the joy of being accepted in the beloved, being one of his uh, children today. And so uh, on, on this note, if he has wronged you in any way, charge that to my account and say, yes, Lord Jesus, I come. Let us pray. Father, we bow before your presence once again today. We thank you for our gathering here. 
We do pray your blessing upon us as we separate, as we go to our respective homes. But Lord, we pray that for those of us who do know the Saviour, who have experienced the, the change of life which comes from faith in Christ, that our faith will deepen and grow, that our love for the Saviour will grow, that our zeal for Christian service will grow. But Lord, how we do pray that if there be any here this morning who do not know the Saviour as yet, that they may see their need of him and that the Lord Jesus and all his gracious love and mercy may reach out to them today. Oh, Father, we do pray that you would grant it. But now as we separate, we ask your blessing upon each one and pray that uh, we will go from this place rejoicing. And so we just commend ourselves to you now, uh, seeking your blessing upon each one according to our own individual need. These things we ask in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.